AVXL episode 166 was recorded on January 13th, 2022. If CES falls in the woods and nobody hears it, does it make a sound? Well, if you're Hisense, LG, Samsung, and a whole bunch of other companies, yes, you drop new products. Just don't expect a lot of audio. By the way, as always, email askatavxl.com if you got a question for us. And thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone that supports us at patreon.com slash avxl. Your support makes this podcast possible. Testing one, two, three. All right. I'm not blowing anything out. Ignorant weasels chewing on your soul. Ignorant weasels. Do you have speed? Yeah. Welcome to AVXL, your guide to the best in home video and audio gear, no matter what your budget is. I'm Patrick Norton. Hey, I am Robert Heron. I don't know if I can say that line any faster. I don't know if I actually enunciated any consonants when I said that line, but welcome, oh. everybody, to 2022. Yay. <laughs> it's a brand new year, baby. Oh, my goodness. We have a 2021 wrap-up coming next week that'll also have some last bits and pieces from uh, CES 2022, which was really weird. Potential Central's uh, Rob Sabin has this crazy shot of the LG booth with its virtual exhibits. I saw that. Yeah. Do you remember those exercise trails that came out in the 80s where they'd have like some weird piece of equipment and then there'd be like two sticks and a sign? Well, get rid of the exercise equipment and two six and a sign that like a QV code, QVR code, and that was their virtual display. And one of the things I was talking about with a friend of mine is I believe the way CEA runs CES is that if you don't use your booth, you lose your premium space, for example, in the central hall. So it was crazy. Like, you know, there was a lot of booths that apparently Sony brought no consumer products. LG's booth was essentially empty. Well, they had QR codes. But yeah, they had QE cart. Yeah. <laughs> it's a... Ignore me. <laughs> you know, on a stick. <laughs> it was very virtual for some companies. Definitely. And props to the companies that, that were comfortable and did make it. And props to the companies who, who weren't comfortable, like, I guess there was 40,000 attendees down from a typical year of 175,000. So it was a very small uh, CES in a lot of ways. Thank you, Omicron. <laughs> yeah. Gosh darn it. <laughs> if you use a PC, and there's a lot of you out there, right? Uh, AMD, Intel, and NVIDIA had a ton of announcements. Um, a lot of CPUs, a couple of GPUs. Uh, on the home theater and audio front, very little audio this year. One particularly interesting subwoofer, uh, set of headphones, almost no speakers, uh, none that I'm going to talk about today, but there were a lot of screens and a few projectors. Without a doubt. While it definitely wasn't the best show for looking at brand new audio products, the display folks were there, if not with actual product, at least with the information about what is coming up for 2022. And I wanted to go over a few of the highlights that caught my attention and things that interest me the most. And things, frankly, that I'm looking forward to checking out this year. We'll start with Hisense, and this is in no particular order. They showed off an 8K RGB laser projector. This is the PX1 Pro Trichroma Laser Cinema. True 8K resolution using a single-chip DLP technology. But it's that RGB laser technology that they did so well with with last year's 4K model. This year it'll be an 8K model, which I think for the larger screen sizes is going to be a fantastic detail enhancement. 
they also introduced the U9H, their new flagship 8K TV. This babe is claiming about 4,000 local dimming zones and maybe about 3,000 nits. That is going to be a nice light cannon. Hisense always seems to give you a little extra bang for the buck, and I have no doubt that this will be one to keep your eye on if you're looking for a semi-value flagship, in a sense. It's only available at a 75-inch <laughs> screen size, and it'll be coming late summer, early fall for around $3,200. And, of course, they also have their U6, U7, and U8 updates for 2022. I'm really looking forward to seeing how those compete with Similar models that you'll see from companies like TCL and others uh, in terms of good value versus pure performance. As far as LG goes, of course, it was all about their OLEDs. Uh, they introduced no fewer <laughs> than one, two, three, four, five, five new lineups as part of their two series, including the A2, the B2, the C2, the G2, and the Z2. Holy cow. Of those, the new gallery series, the G2, is the one utilizing the improved thermal management and a firmware tweak that they're dubbing Brightness Booster. This is going to be their highest performing set of the year. And they're introducing a new mega 97-inch screen size. If you have the space and the coin, that will be one to keep your eye on for a, a 4K extravaganza at a very large screen size. Now, as far as new technologies going into their 2022 OLEDs, the 55-inch and larger C2 panels, as well as all of the G2 panels that I just mentioned, are using that latest iteration of the quote-unquote Neo OLED technology that they introduced last year in the Gallery series. The G2 will, of course, have that brightness boosting technology, whereas the C2 will use a similar panel but not have that boosting technology, so should not be expected to be as bright as the G2. Now, not LG Electronics, but LG Display did show off a next-gen OLED technology. They're dubbing OLED.EX. And if you take a look at this, uh, one of the key things that stood out to me is the use of quote-unquote deuterium compounds to make stronger emitters, effectively a more efficient and or more stable light source that could be driven harder. Hmm. This technology is not currently in any TV yet, but... If you're looking forward to seeing what LG Electronics may introduce next year in an actual television, keep an eye on that OLED EX technology. But if there was one big buzz of 2022 CES show was with Samsung and their QD OLED technology, the Quantum Dot OLED, or QD Display as Samsung Display likes to refer to it, I would say subjectively without actually having eyes on yet, this is my favorite display tech of the show. It is aiming to be a new premium as far as home theater display technologies go. Compared to regular OLED like we have from LG, the Quantum Dot OLED changes the way that light is generated. The color that we see from the screen is different. As with traditional OLED like from LG, they use a pretty standard color filter. The similar technology that we've seen on LCD panels and practically every display we look at Effectively small windows for each sub-pixel of red, blue, and green plastic. And then that light that is generated from behind, a white light, is filtered through that plastic. With QD OLED, the difference is, is that they're starting with a blue backlight material, a blue OLED material, that is very close already to the spec needed for DCI color. And that blue is right on target. And then the red and the green sub-pixels will be going through a quote-unquote quantum dot color converter that will convert some of that blue light into red and green as necessary. 
The advantage really is just a more efficient way of generating light. And compared to LG's subpixel design, where they utilize a white subpixel in addition to the red, blue, and green in order to generate extra light at the expense of some color being washed out if you drive it the wrong way. Of course, LG does not. One benefit that Quantum Dot OLED has is that it will only have red, blue, and green subpixels and be, quote unquote, a very pure light source for creating the imagery seen on screen. Samsung's QD OLED technology is also expected to incorporate heat management that is superior to what has came before, allowing them to drive the panel a little bit harder. And they're claiming at least a thousand nits. I'm willing to bet that it'll hit probably closer to 1500 in very small patches, which will make an even more impressive quantum dot style color display. But we've not seen any specific models mentioned from Samsung that will be incorporating this new panel. Uh, we'll get to Sony in a second, and they have announced a actual TV you can go look at the specs right now for. However, there are a couple of widescreen computer monitors that have been announced. A 34-inch, to be specific, 1440p, with the extra-wide design from Samsung and Alienware. That'll be the Odyssey G8 series, as well as Alienware's uh, AW3423DW. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> I would expect Samsung within the next couple of months to have a special event where they're going to introduce exactly the naming and what the final characteristics will be for this new QD OLED TV they'll have coming out. And again, it'll be a 55 and 65 inch screen size. And oh yeah, Samsung's AK flagship is back. Uh, the QN900B for 2022 it should be one serious piece of eye candy. It incorporates many, many, many LEDs for superior backlight technology, as well as Quantum Dot. I cannot wait to see that in person either. And if there was one trend overall, I would say for LCD televisions, was the embracing of this mini LED backlighting technology. Instead of having a couple hundred LEDs, you're talking thousands or in certain cases, maybe even tens of thousands, depending on the screen size providing a very, very granular backlighting system that can be used to enhance contrast and provide just serious light output. I would expect Samsung's flagship QN900B in particular to be one that pushes into that two to 3,000 nit range. It would not surprise me. And for a quick mention of something kind of fun from Samsung that kind of stole the show in their booth at least, was a $900 freestyle projector. Uh, it's a portable projector. And it looks like a light can on a swivel. And I have to say, it was neat. And you could point this thing. Okay. Oh, go ahead. I'll, uh, no, 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 no. I was going to say, like, I was looking at it and I was like, oh, Samsung made a toy. And then I read Projector Central's review of it. They were really impressed by it. I mean, they really liked it saying things like, quote, it looks like a toy, but it's a serious piece of hardware that leverages Samsung's smart TV platform and even its calibration tools to create something that feels new, right? Because it literally looks like a, you know, a soup can on a swivel. You can point it at a floor, you can point it at a ceiling. So it's an LEG projector. So you're fundamentally going to stop using it before the lamp wears out. Uh, they said the color's decent. It's 1080p. It's not 4K, but it does HDR via the Samsung TV apps. If you have a compatible phone and you download the Samsung SmartThings app, 
it'll do cell phone based auto calibration. And what's really crazy now, you know, if you want the best quality, you want it facing square to a wall, but apparently the projector automatically tweaks the picture by automatically applying keystone correction and focusing it. So if you want to point it at the ceiling or the floor at a wall or in a corner, it'll do its best to make whatever crazy angle you pointed at look good. Oh, I saw a demo of that. That was really kind of cool. It, it just goes back yeah. to that ease of use, I think, where no matter how you say you don't have it aimed perfectly perpendicular and squared up, it will automatically adjust it to make it look so. And that was just kind of neat. I dug that. And also that freaking adapter that lets you run off of a light socket. It literally could screw into a light bulb socket and hang as a lamp style device. And they had a cool yeah. demo showing it actually creating some uh, augmented reality, if you could call it that way, on a dinner table, which was just a fascinating little a bit of fun. <laughs> they're, I mean, they're definitely like, it's cool to see. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not giving up my, oh no, my focus projector. But it's it's amazing to watch what they can do. I think it's like what eight hundred ninety eight dollars or something. It's right. like a biscuit under nine hundred. You know, I think it's more for the fun factor than it is for the home theater right. factor and the convenience. Yeah. And ease of using it. I think it's pretty sweet for what it is. But don't yeah don't expect to be driving a hundred and twenty inch screen in a moderately lit room with this thing. Yeah. <laughs> No. Keep it small, keep but it tight, it's... and you're going to have a lot of fun with it. And it, like you mentioned, having built-in apps or being an app platform built right into it is just convenient. And as far as yeah. cell phone-based auto calibration, I'm glad you mentioned that. They're bringing that technology as well to some of their TVs. Considering how well or not that can usually work, eh, great. It seems like everyone who's <laughs> trying to do that eventually just kind of gives up on it. It's too easy to screw up. <laughs> It's really what it comes right. down to. Mark Henninger's review on Projector Central. 70 or 75 inches, quote, at this size, the peak luminance calibrated in movie mode is a near perfect match for the DCI-P3 standard used in movie theaters, which is 48 nits, um, unquote. It is not a bright room projector, but I'll also say I, I, I love any projector review that calls out Starship Troopers <laughs> and the quality of your Starship Troopers experience. <laughs> I like that. Seriously. And as we mentioned with all things OLED, Sony is actually introducing the QD OLED technology from Samsung in, a, in the form of the A95K Master Series TV. And if you want to get an early drool on over a true quantum dot OLED TV, this will be a, one of the first available, I imagine, from Sony. I'll be curious to see when it finally actually shows up in stores, but there is the example. However, if you need something bigger and brighter and 8K, the Master Series Z9K is coming. That's their AKL CD TV. That's going to be their flagship. They already have the 75-inch model listed. This is the first time I believe that Sony is going to a mini LED backlighting system for any of their TVs. They have been known for doing terrific backlighting control and creating very contrasted imagery using fewer LEDs and by reference to that zones of local dimming they seem to just be able mm -hmm. to do more with less in this case the Z9K is going to have thousands of mini LEDs I am guessing to be probably as bright as maybe 3000 nits peak this should just be a delightful TV anything that has the words master series in it from Sony is going to be a fine looking display and I'm looking forward to seeing both the QD OLED version for the A95K and the Z9K and glorious AK LCD. That is just uh, yummy. Uh, 
That is true eye candy. <laughs> I want to see that in person for sure. And speaking of mini LED systems, TCL showed off their 85 inch 8K OD0. This is bringing basically the LEDs and that backlighting system, thousands of LEDs again. This is bringing it very close to the screen itself, uh, making a very slim design for the depth of the panel, which looks almost like an OLED from the side. It is that thin. And TCL is going for ultimate image quality with the 8K version, up to 85 inch for this TV. The 85X925 Pro will be this TCL in particular. And it is not gonna be cheap, but it is also looking to compete directly against things like the Samsung QN900B and other 8K offerings this year. And maybe that Z9K Master Series from Sony as well. It's just gonna be fun. Of course, they're gonna have updates to some of their other more affordable yet high performance TVs as well. But I am really looking forward to see what they can do when the budgetary restraints have been removed and they're able to go for the premium quality that they're looking to achieve with this new 85 inch uh, X925 Pro. That should be fantastic. Nothing wrong with that. Two other trends I had noticed throughout the TVs on display at CES 2022. One was the next-gen standard for TV broadcasting, ATSC 3.0. I'm seeing tuners now being integrated across the line for many of these new TVs, which will be great if you actually receive any channels. The Bay Area, I believe, has finally got its first handful of channels that have gone live for testing, so I need to fire up my receiver and see if I can pull in some of that sweet, sweet up to 4K broadcast that is now available <laughs> over the air for free if you have an appropriate tuner. I'm also seeing that for the HDMI ports this year, everyone's claiming at least 48 gigabit support. I'm also seeing quite a few TVs on the premium side looking at gamers and saying, hey, you know what? We can do 144 hertz at 4K. I saw LG mention 144 hertz, but they didn't specifically mention 4K resolution, but other companies like Sony and Samsung have and it is something I am looking forward to seeing how they're going to do it exactly. That seems like it would be pushing up against the bandwidth limits of HDMI, but uh, maybe Seriously. a little maybe a little compression might be involved. But either way, that's a nice refresh rate that kind of matches what PC gamers sort of expect already on premium displays or faster, of course. But 144 hertz is one of those nice sweet spots, and if they can add that into regular TVs that people are using with game consoles that support that sort of functionality. All the better. All the better. We like it when it's better. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so audio this year, it was definitely a quality, not a quantity kind of year. Um, I literally don't think a single pair of speakers were announced this year. And if you heard of some, do me a favor, email askatavxl.com and share uh, one of the things that got a bunch of attention early, and this is a little towards the edge of our wheelhouse, is uh, Nevetto's N1, which they were talking about as invisible headphones. And uh, what it is, is like, you know, uh, beam forming, or they call it smart beaming. But the idea is, is this little tiny panel sits down below your monitor, and it beams audio basically to a space around your head. So it feels like you are listening to headphones, despite the fact that you're not listening to headphones. They say uh, they claim a 90% drop in volume from three feet away. They're obviously pushing the pandemic solution 
for those of you who are out there uh, dealing with whatever your favorite or least favorite video conferencing tool is, this is a clear, simple audio solution for video conference calls or just listening to ambient music. I don't think the fidelity is going to be particularly impressive. If they can get the price right, that would be just kind of a nice accessory to have. <laughs> yeah. The fact that it also offers some form of face tracking as well in order to optimize the beaming of the audio to your face. Right. Uh, the demo I saw used just the smartphone uh, microphone. And as the person moved in and out of the, oh, wow. the zone, it had, right. a, it had a significant drop off. So if you're looking for maybe a way to have some kind of personalized audio that's not disruptive to people around you I... without switching to headphones... This might be an option, but it really comes down to what the price is and yeah, the they, audio they, quality, of course, too. Yeah, they they said Q1, no price. I haven't heard these. I haven't spoken to anyone who has heard them. Um, the uh, uh, I'm very curious to hear them. You know, it's been 20 years. I I, I, I I got to do a segment with one of the people who were in, you know, inv kind of invented this technology and was perfecting it for soda machines and stuff. Um, so the soda machine could speak to you without disturbing everyone else around you. I think it was their initial uh, application for that. Um, I doubt it will have. <laughs> that's a terrifying thought. <laughs> um, I, I don't uh, I don't anticipate this sounding great. I think it's going to sound acceptable. I think it'll be fine. You know, it's amazing how good the human voice can sound with a very limited amount of bandwidth. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Uh, and I'm with you. The, the price on that's going to be kind of the big make or break on that one. And they were, you know, shifting. Q1 and they didn't want to talk about pricing. Uh, something that had a very interesting price was uh, SBS. Uh, their 3000 in wall subwoofer. Uh, this was, I think supposed to announce earlier this year. Uh, but in any case, this is really cool, right? We've, we've seen in wall subwoofers before, I think mostly from JL audio and the idea that they're going to pack dual nine inch SVS drivers in your wall and it's not going to require you tearing apart everything between two studs um you know they're claiming an easy install they've and they have versions for new construction and existing construction so it's a template cut in a sealed box and they have some little dog leg clamps to put it in place or you can screw it to a stud nice um 800 watt RMS 2500 watt peak, uh, their sledge amplifier and what's cool about this is the amp can power two three thousands so it's $1,300 for a single subwoofer and amp, and it's $2,000 for a pair of subs and an amp, um, which, you know, if you have a large enough room is super, super compelling. I actually just uh, picked up a second monoprice subwoofer so I can do a bunch of single versus dual subwoofer testing uh, here in the basement of Doom. Um, I so that'll wait. be fun to play around with. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty stoked about that. And that's a pretty good deal when you think about what uh, SVS gets for their premium subwoofers. I have not seen CEA numbers for this, uh, but the SVS is usually pretty solid on performance. That's going to come out in Q1 2022. They also announced uh, an update to the SVS Prime Wireless, their uh, whole house uh, stereo speakers. Uh, and they also have what they call their, their sound base, uh, which is an integrated amp. And this is their second generation. That's why it's the Pro, uh, March 2022, price at launch. We'll talk uh, more about that later this year. Vizio dropped a new soundbar. So their M-Series has been around, and that's kind of their I-care-about-aesthetics-friendliest soundbar. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they have, it's a very simple, very small 
soundbar design to sit in front of your television. This one adds um, two surround sound speakers, two up-firing Atmos speakers, and a subwoofer. Um, that's going to be $499. Those are wireless connections for those uh, surround sound speakers. Remember, you're still going to need to plug them into a wall, so they're not completely wireless. Sure came out uh, with another or a new wireless Bluetooth uh, ANC active noise-canceling headphones, the Aonic 40 wireless. Um, about 25% more battery life than their first headset, the Ionic 50. Um, and that's 25 hours with uh, active noise cancellation turned on. One of the things uh, that I'm delighted by is, is their Sure Plus Play app saves the EQ to the headphones. And that was a big problem with the Aonic 50. And apparently the Aonic 50 got this update back in August and I completely missed it. But it essentially, when the Aonic 50 came out, it had what I thought was entirely too much bass. This was like beyond the Harmon curve. It was big and bloaty and gnarly. And apparently uh, they did a firmware update. The funny thing was you could EQ these headphones, but you couldn't save the EQ settings to the headphones. You would only get EQ if you streamed files through Shure's app. Oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So they have updated it. So now the EQ gets saved to the headphones. So whatever you're streaming to the headphones is automatically EQ'd. So I'm going to re-review -re -re those with the new firmware. I think they also tweaked the audio profile, the tuning, so that the bass was not quite as unhinged. Cool. If you go to Sure.com, the price on those Aonic 50s is uh, down to $299 from the original $399. Uh, I think they're still selling for like $350 on Amazon, but... Two ninety nine for those is right in there and extremely competitive with the uh, with the flagships from Bose and Sony. If you're looking for headphones, uh, active noise canceling headphones to make your life in your diesel truck or your server room or your plane travel less painful. I generally don't talk about gaming sets headsets too much on here unless folks ask us. But uh, I wanted to shout out uh, for the HyperX Cloud Alpha Wireless for two reasons. One, the basic wired HyperX Cloud Alpha is a fantastic wired uh, headset. It's what I bought for my kids. I've used it myself. It's, you know, decent for music. It's got a solid microphone. It's great for gaming. And it's usually a biscuit under 100 bucks. And I think it's it's been on sale at Best Buy for as low as 60 bucks, which is a fantastic deal for that. So their Cloud Alpha wireless headset, they're claiming 300 hours of battery life. For it <laughs> and I really want to know how that works so I'm going to hopefully get a set of those in for review um, they include DTS headphone X surround sound in that I don't know if I will care for that or not I usually don't care for synthetic sound surround sound headphone enhancements but there's always a first to enjoy and that's going to be about $200 for that nice so I think it was uh, 2019 when they launched the Cambridge Audio Alva TT which is a Aptex HD Bluetooth turntable, world's first, which was one of my favorite demo experiences ever at, at CES. I'm not particularly a vinyl guy. I own vinyl. I own a turntable. I own vinyl records mostly because it's stuff I will never be able to buy on CD or on Bandcamp. Uh. Hey, you got to take matters into your own hands sometimes to get the content you want. It may be limited you know? in terms of the availability and source. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The Donkey Show, you know... But yeah, Bally High, like, uh, New York Citizens, a bunch of smalls. It punk, I, I digress, right? Obscure bands from strange places or, or just labels that don't exist anymore. Um, 
but uh, I gotta say that 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 Alva, that original Alva TT launch uh, it sounded fantastic. Uh, there's something delightfully perverse about having an analog platform transmitting wirelessly to Bluetooth headphones, but it, it sounded great. It really did. So they have uh, just announced at CES 2022 the Alva TTV2, which uh, has a new tone arm, which essentially allows you to makes it easy to upgrade uh, cartridges. Right? There's a detachable oh, cool. headset on the tone arm. Yeah, that's that's good. That's also one of those things where you know that way lies madness. Because one, the cartridge that comes from the factory is fine. Two, cartridges are one of those things where you can spend like a hundred dollars to fifty thousand dollars. Oh. Uh, do as you will. Uh, they also put a switch on the phono stage, the uh, the phono preamplifier on that, so you can run with theirs, or you can use the one in your receiver, or you can use a third-party one. Uh, so those are all smart choices. They also announced a new Alva ST turntable. It's their first, you know, Aptex HD Bluetooth wireless turntable that's going to cost under a thousand dollars. So. That's nice. Uh, that also has the switchable built-in phono stage uh, and the Aptex HD wireless uh, streaming and the same new tone arm. You know, it's a good-looking turntable, people. You can basically drop a needle on the vinyl and use your wireless headphones. That's Speaking of wireless pretty headphones. Cool. <laughs> I do agree. Yeah, actually, <laughs> it's, it's quirky. It's, uh, niche. But yeah, beautiful. but you can all—I mean—you can also run it into an amplifier, run it through speakers, and, and make that whole connection analog too, if you prefer. There you go. Uh, on the wireless headphones uh, angle, uh, Mark Levinson of all places. Mark Levinson is a high-end audio manufacturer. Um, they announced their number fifty-nine oh nine wireless headphones. Those are going to be a thousand dollars. Okay. I wait with bated breath. Yes. <laughs> I have a, a friend of mine has those in for review, and uh, I will let you know what she has to say about those. And I want to say JBL announced some tremendously spendy speakers. The JBL 4305P Studio Monitor. Uh, these are essentially uh, bookshelf speakers. They're active, and they are $2,200 each, I believe. They look like classic JBL monitors. A big sound wave guide at the top, a five or six inch driver, a couple of ports. You know, for $2,200, they better sound really, really good. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. I'm trying to find, yeah, $2,200. Somebody originally reported that they were $4,500. Sorry, I didn't mean to digress. No, that's good information to have. <laughs> the price could be half. <laughs> Twenty no twenty two hundred dollars is the half. <laughs> Excellent. Um, <laughs> I am laughing because uh, not because we're going to talk more about projectors next week, um, but we'll talk more about projectors next week. But you tracked down the Pantone color of the year for twenty twenty two. Did I don't know what it is <laughs> about Pantone and the colors they choose, but it seems to always bring a smile to my face every year. For 2022, we have something now called Pantone 17-3938, very Perry. <laughs> and to quote the description, it says, encompassing the qualities of the blues, yet at the same time possessing a violet red undertone. Very Perry displays a sprightly, joyous attitude and dynamic presence that encourages courageous creativity and imaginative expression. <laughs> I can't think of anything referencing Periwinkle 
without referencing Snatch, <laughs> the movie. <laughs> I was going to say. That <laughs> just immediately yeah, with the, the first thought I had. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, Rob, exactly. you like dags? <laughs> you like dags, Rob? Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> if you haven't seen that movie, none of that's going to make any sense whatsoever. I would put that on my must-watch list. That's got to be in yeah. my top ten of just enjoyable, crazy movies. Uh, a wonderful flick. Anyway. It's desperately funny. I'm also keeping an eye on the James Webb Space Telescope. It is well on its way from reaching its Lagrange point number two, where it's going to be hanging out for the rest of its life. Uh, It's about 10 days away from reaching that point. It's been traveling. Effectively, it's going to take a month uh, from the point of launch to the point it gets there. And at this point, all of the equipment is deployed They are now currently testing and calibrating the mirrors that will direct the light into the sensors. And eventually, once they reach the L2 location, they will then get everything set up so it can begin its supercooling process of bringing the infrared sensors down to, oh, as close to (laughs) absolute zero as absolutely possible. And there is a wonderful website, uh, Where is Web, that you can look up on the NASA.gov website for getting a quick update including now temperature readings from the the hot side and the cool side of the sun shield it is just a, a neat project and everything went perfect on this in terms of the launch with the Ariane rocket technology and the people involved of getting that thing launched apparently they did such a good job on the launch in terms of precisely hitting exactly where it needed to be that they are estimating up to double the longevity of the device, of the space telescope itself. They thought that even with some problems with launch and not being in the right spot and using up some of the fuel, they'd still have about 10 years. But because everything went so well, they're now claiming that they might even get 20 years of useful uh, lifetime out of the James Webb Space Telescope. So anyway, just a super cool. I cannot wait. Maybe in about six months, we'll see some actual images out of this thing. Yeah. But otherwise, so far, so good. Everything that <laughs> everything that could have went right did, and it's fantastic. Neat project. That's a big plus. It's nice when things go the way they're supposed to. Yeah. A million oh miles goodness. away oh. from home. <laughs> and now I'm thinking of the Plimtones a million miles away. Those uh, JBL 4305 feet, definitely $2,200 a pair. Five and a quarter inch fiber composite cone woofer. And they actually are calling it a compression driver, so that's not a waveguide, Patrick. That's a horn on the top of that speaker. 96 kilohertz, 192. Oh, wait, hold on. If you use the digital link cable between the speakers, you can do 192 kilohertz audio, and they can render MQA audio files, and they are certified rune ready. So they have all the inputs. Ethernet, Google, Chromecast built in, uh, Apple AirPlay 2, Bluetooth, that's a fascinating thing to come out of JBL and to be labeled a studio monitor. So I just wanted to add that in there. <laughs> May we hit a trade show very soon or sometime this year that incorporates our favorite projectors and speakers and other oh my goodness. AVRs and other <laughs> aspects of home theater. I know what TVs are coming. I just want to see everything else. <laughs> so Damn you, Omicron. <laughs> Seriously. Oh my goodness. <laughs> We will uh, we will have uh, the return to viewer questions next week on AVXL. Uh, Bai had a great suggestion for Maurice, who was looking for help tidying up his music collection. 
And uh, we got a few more questions poured in to ask at avxl.com. So if you have a question, please email us, ask at avxl.com, or tweet at Patrick Norton or at Robert Heron or at avxl. And uh, one more time, a huge thanks to all of our patrons, patreon.com slash avxl. We'll be having another hangout this month. A couple of the things are going on. So if you haven't checked in at patreon.com slash avxl, do us a favor and do it. And thank you, thank you, thank you, because your contributions make it possible for us to make this show. So yeah, we appreciate it does. you. And we do. It does. With that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Patrick Norton. I am Robert Heron. We'll catch you next week on AVXL.